Let's go. She's a nightmare. Is that how we're starting? <laughs> Let's, we're not going to tell you who we were talking about. Uh, good morning, afternoon, evening, whenever you're listening. My Hello. name is Nellie Thomas, that is. No, Dave O'Neill here. And you are listening to Up Your Class. Class. Now, you may have noticed, Dave O'Neill, that someone's missing. Shane. Mr. Shane Lang is missing, and as sad as it is, it's quite fitting that he's missing. The reason that he's missing is because, as our regular listeners, all how many? Six, seven? No, there's over Maybe 100. A dozen. Are you kidding me? <laughs> it's a building. They will know that Shane Lang is a disability support worker, and dear Shane dropped in on a client on his way to do the podcast, mm. and. Um, the person in question was being evicted. Oh. So, fair enough that he didn't show. Yeah, no, he's got to stay and help. Have you ever been evicted? No, have you? Never. No, I've, been, I've come close, but no. no what, was, what, it, well, how'd no. you come close? Rent arrears? Yeah, this guy, this, the real estate agent kept being really aggressive. and. What age are we talking? <sighs> you know what? It was a great moment when I told him that I bought a house and said, <laughs> you know what I mean? He kept being, because um, this is in the days when you had to write checks out for yes, your rent. Yes, yes, I And I put the wrong date on or it. Or a money order. Yeah, I put the wrong date on it. And he's yeah. like, well, you've got to come down now and blah, blah. I said, well, I can't. I've got to go to work and blah, 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 blah. blah. And then about a month later, I, I, we bought a house and, it, and I had the great pleasure of saying, yeah, we bought a And he's changed his tune so much. I think real estate agents got to realise that renters do occasionally turn into home they buyers. They do become high. I remember, and I, when I look back at it, I think the ridiculousness of it. We had surprise, surprise, a terrible real estate agent, and who was, you know, one of those. They're just always on your back, and they clearly yeah, hate yeah. renters, and they, you know, we were paying the rent, whatever. But uh, I remember marching in there when we left, like I had some power, and going, mm. one day I will buy a house. And I will never buy one that is managed by this, this like, real estate agent. And they're just looking at me like, so? Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> I really thought I was – it was like my – my uh, what's that woman's name? The one that, you know, discovered the, the water with the cancer and did the Erin Brockovich moment. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> made absolutely no difference whatsoever. It's going to be a big moment, but – no, it wasn't. It fell flat. Um, so, Shane, we will miss you today, but it's quite interesting. We had planned to do today our Philosopher's Science Stone subject was going to be on the cumulative effects of poverty. The so, cumulative effects of poverty. The cumulative effects of poverty. So, so being born into poverty. Being born into poverty, I think, is one aspect of it. And, in fact, I read an article recently that said in Australia, in the lucky country, so let's even ignore the rest of the world, mm. talk about in Australia, to get yourself out of poverty, even with all the infrastructure that we have, takes a family minimum three generations. Wow. Which is quite interesting. If I think of my personal example, I think, as we've discussed before, uh, both my parents were definitely in absolute dire poverty as children mm. and then I reckon in when we came along they became you know for want of a better description from poverty to working class because both yeah. mum and dad had jobs so we were poor but you know we ate and we didn't get evicted yeah and then now I would say I am because of education family middle class my kids certainly are yeah so, they won't be in poverty will they oh god they won't even be close to poverty they, they mm. have no idea mm. what um, poverty is so that is part of it, but I think it's also what happens 
if you haven't got money and so therefore you don't get your teeth checked every six months. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah what happens right. in three years? Gum disease. Yeah, and then it costs more. Of course. You know, what happens if you... Well, that's when we had a child in the Royal Children's Hospital, um, I said to the woman, there seems to be a lot of, well, for want of a better word, poor people here. Yeah. She said, yeah, because they leave it to the last minute. Yeah. Because, see, you guys are middle class. You're going to get your kids checked up. Yeah. These guys will come in when the kid is bleeding, you know, like in real pain. When the teeth are falling yeah, out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because especially dentistry, as you would know, costs them bloody it's fortune. Expensive. But even things like if you don't get your car serviced, oh. you know, if your tyres are bald, mm. all those kinds of things, that means in 12 months, 24 months, whenever, there's going to be a point at which it's not 250 bucks. It's two and a half grand, and you haven't got two and a half grand. Yeah. Also, if you uh, geographically, yeah, if you're living in an area where there's no jobs anymore, so if you're saying Elizabeth in Adelaide, where there used to be the Holm factory, yeah, which would employ generation generation. Dennis Glover actually wrote this great book about growing up in Dufton. Yeah, and he's like, a, he grew up in a very working class family, and he became a speechwriter for um, oh, Keating, Keating and Rudd, yeah. no more Rudd and Rudd. that sort of era. And his parents all worked in factories, and he mm. goes back to Dufton, mm. and all those factories have been turned into warehouses mm. and employing very few people. Mm. But it's really interesting because um, if you those families used to rely on those industries to keep them going. Well, and also on each other. Like if you think of an example, let's talk about eviction since Shane is literally currently dealing with a person with disability getting evicted. It, if I was approaching eviction, I could say, hey, Dave, I'm going to be evicted mm-hmm. and it- you would have some spare money probably yeah. that you could lend to me or a or lawyer this. or someone that could or step something. in something like yeah. you would have cultural capital and actual capital yeah. to assist that's right if you live in Doveton and everyone's facing eviction yeah you don't know what to do no one's going to give you the 500 bucks to ha- even getting evicted what happens to this poor bloke who's getting evicted today he's now going to have to find bond yeah yeah he's well, now going to have to find money to move his stuff yeah exactly you and know, where's so he going to live? Where's he going to live while he does that? Yeah. And once he's not living, is he getting his, you know, dentistry sorted out? Mm. Is he eating well? No, nah, probably not. None of that stuff would be you happening. Know. So those sort of cumulative effects, yes, being born into poverty is one aspect of it. But even if you're not born into it and you end up in poverty, trying to claw your way out of it. I heard this thing the other day. This guy, I should remember, I'll, I'll bring it back for next week, but someone who's written a book, um, he's a journalist for The Australian and he's written about poverty. He was saying, he said, when him and his mum and his siblings were in dire poverty, he said, you forget everything costs more. Mm. And the example was, he's like, if you go into Coles or Woolworths or something and they've got a three for one special, he's like, we don't have enough money for three. Yeah, you just want the one. So we have to buy the one at the higher price. Mm. And he sort of used that as a metaphor for same with the car, same with the healthcare, yeah. same with it. You take the house that, that you can get. You t- you mm. can't bargain. Yeah. You know, you haven't got options. So there's little bits of, uh, it's like 5%, 5%, and then it all adds up to 100%. Or, yeah, you know, and then. Tips you over the edge. Let's say you are a moving house. You and I will both know this. You go, or moving house in this case, being evicted, which is even more stressful. You can't go and buy a bag of pasta and a jar of sauce and make your dinner. You've got to buy it. Exactly. And that costs more. Mm. Food's going to cost more. Mm. You know, so it, it starts to become um, entrenched. Do you think generations can go back? 
Yes, I think they are. So do you think like... Like Dalton. Well, yeah, also like our children could eventually end up in poverty? I think they could. Or their children? I think they could. And I think for a range of reasons, one is that that Dalton example you gave of you might be in... Um, you don't even have to be working poor. You might be relatively comfortably working class, mm. but you're only a couple of life events or decisions away from poverty. So health issue, health getting issue. sacked, yep. getting sacked, yep. all but of you those up in your car. When you always see those people that are living in their cars, there's always a getting sacked, divorce, like mental health issues. Well, the biggest growth in homelessness... Um, in Australia is women, women in, in middle age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I read that. Yeah, so and so they can't. They're not all from poor backgrounds. No, no. They thought their husbands would look after them. It was a certain. Yeah. I read an article about it. Yeah. Then the husband leaves or dies or something like that, and yeah, and it's not is good. the planning plan how much you know whose name are the assets in? Yeah. But I think health issues is a huge one as well. Mm. That is potentially if you had a combination of loss of job and health issue and again i mean bringing shane back into it bless you because you're not here but as we've heard before shane had a combination of uh heart problems that put him in hospital and while he was in hospital lost his job and housing yeah right so there you go from someone who is working and you know paying rent and whatever but hasn't got much fat in the budget Mm. you know so there's not like thousands in the bank to cover it for a few months yeah um and then all of a sudden there's nothing there. Yeah, yeah. And the family's probably not that wealthy to back him up either. Well, that's the thing. They're if you're not in themselves. an extended family or community, I mean, this sounds like a joke, but it's not. We know many comedians who'd be in that case, in that situation. Oh, yeah, for sure. No, if you're in precarious employment. Oh, yeah. Um, but obviously there's lots of casualization, etc., etc. So I think it is... Like, I hate to be Debbie Downer, but it is mm. absolutely possible for kids of our generation. I mean, you know, our kids, our kids, our yeah. kids generation, especially with um, bloody Deliveroo and Uber Eats. And I mean, there's even casualization in um, academia. Yeah, right. You know, when you hear about these dickheads going, oh, you know, if you just study hard and you work hard and you get a good job, you'll be right. Well, tell that to the people who are like 45 with a PhD and on a casual contract. Yeah, that's right. They don't get holiday pay or anything, do they? They get absolutely nothing. They studied for, what, a decade? Yeah, I know. <laughs> Terrible. So, oh. Um, you got anything else to say on that, Dave O'Neill? No. Absolutely just, nothing. Just, it really... I couldn't read the article you sent me because I've got a I've got a fill in phone a Nokia and it doesn't <laughs> It's like a three ten. And I'm throwing on thing here because I uh, anyway, other phones getting fixed, so Well look, the bloke who um who wrote so long story short, he grew up on a um cattle station and was relatively wealthy. I mean farming's an interesting side. Uh, yeah, issue. farming is yeah, we've talked about farming before. Yeah, yeah. No, you'd be asset rich but you can be cash poor. But um, his dad ended up leaving his mum for their governess because they didn't have a school within five hours or something. So they had an on-site teacher. And that plunged his 
mother and her three children into extreme poverty. So I'm going to see. I'm going to give it a go. See if I can contact him. Yeah, get him on the show. Come on the show. What a fascinating life. At the very least, I'll uh, read his book. But the other thing I loved, this is one of the reasons I wanted to hear from him, aside from the fact that he works for The Australian as well, which is also quite interesting in yeah. the discussion on poverty. Um, but that he said, you know, when people are always going, oh, well, those poor people can afford Foxtel or they buy a TV. He goes, you know what? Whenever I've got money, I just go, money comes, money goes. I buy whatever I can. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, funny. <laughs> and I thought that was quite, rather yeah. than that judgy yeah. bloody bullshit. I tell you what, if you'd spent six months and just been evicted and, you know, but and you suddenly had a windfall of a grand, yeah. you might treat yourself to a TV as well. Tell the great routine. I can't remember who did it, but the guy said to the homeless guy, the homeless guy goes to him, can, you, can I have some money? He goes, well, are you just going to spend it on alcohol and drugs? And the homeless guy goes, well, what are you going to spend it on? Yeah, totally. <laughs> it's a great routine. 100%. Yeah. I'm just going to the bottle shop myself, so, you know. Oh, my God. The discussion right. about, particularly, again, WA context, but it happens everywhere, but it very much so in WA, about Aboriginal people drinking in the park. Mm. <laughs> You're like, what? Because you sit around a nice oak dinner table and yeah, get drink. smashed on yeah, Friday yeah. night. Exactly. It's different to sitting in the park. I mean, oh. Oh, park's a nice environment. You've brought in a book. Okay, so yes. Have you been you reading? To, yes. Do you want to talk about that now? Yeah, why not? Let's do it. It's called, um, it's called Know Your Place by the Working Class. And it's a British uh, book. Which started off as a, you know, like a Posby sort of thing where they got money to, and then asked people. Are you talking about Posible? Is that what I'm talking about? You're yes. You're hilarious, old yeah. man. Posible. So it's a self-funded, and is it self-published? No, no. They got a publisher and yeah. then it's all contributions from writers, comedians and stuff that are from working class backgrounds in England and they write about class. You would love it. Oh my God. I'm for, taking for, it. Yeah, for example, there's this great one about the British seaside. It means so much to the working class. Mm. About this girl who was from an Indian working class family, immigrants, and how the seaside was just so important to them. And why? Because it was just a place where they weren't judged. She said, you know, at school, on the trains, they always picked on because they were Indian. But at the beach, she said it was funny. No one, everyone just accepted them and said it was a great atmosphere. That's interesting. You know, because it's like holiday time, I reckon. People just go, oh, it's yes. holidays. These people aren't living in my neighbourhood, I don't, you know, but they're having a good time. They're just visiting, so they're not really a permanent fixture. Is that what it's about? Yes, I reckon. And the, one of my favourite articles is The Death of a Pub by a guy called Dominic Grace. I don't know who he is. I think he's a playwright. And he talks about going to different pubs in, I think it's Bristol or Sheffield or something like that, the working class pubs. And he starts a job and he takes his office mates to his working class pub and the, the guy says, why are they all so big? Like the people are just... <laughs> It's because they're all construction workers and stuff. And the other guy, someone goes, I don't want to go there. It's too scary. But it's so funny. He just talks about it. And then, and then, he, and then they go to one of the nicer pubs up the river. Um, and and um, his mate observes, they're just better looking than us. Yeah. Like the middle, the upper middle oh, class totally. people. But it, it is. A, it Do is you a, notice that though when you go? That reminds oh, me of Kalgoorlie, God, like a, yeah. a, a regional pub. You go in and you go. These are man mountains. Oh man, they're huge. Oh, I mean, I used to do jokes about. I lived in the western suburbs of Melbourne because I was like a supermodel walking around <laughs> a place like Melton because everyone's beer out there. But you go down to the in Melbourne too. I do gigs at yacht clubs occasionally. 
and they are. Oh, they're very svelte. Well, they're they're better. They, you know, and you know, you know what? The other thing that I, that I've I've noticed is they wear jumpers. Yeah. So jumpers are a sign of wealth. Yeah. That you go to. Well, woolen jumpers are. Woolen jump, windcheaters and hoodies. Yeah. Um, that, that's more your working class attire. Yeah. But if you go to like a a well-to-do country area or suburban area, there'll be jumpers. Totally. Jumpers. Totally. Wool ju- jumpers. Jump, and I was talking to Chris Franklin about this, the bogan comedian. He calls himself the bloke. Yeah, he's got a mullet. You know. Yeah. He had that hit in about twenty years ago called. I'm a bloke. I'm a yobbo. My yeah. best mate is Robbo. I'm a bloke. I'm, I'm a yobbo. Anyway, yeah. and he was saying, yeah, he goes, he's noticing Kmart and places where working class people mm. shop, you can't buy woolen jumpers. Mm. You cannot mm. buy them at mm. all. No, because windsheeters, I remember being at school and there was a girl called Adele and she had, do you remember those, like, uh, I think they're nautical, like white, proper woolen. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. With the crisscross. Yes, not criss-cross, like, like a yachting a jumper. Jump. And I was so envious well, of that. Well, they were Haircut 100, that 80s exactly. band. Exactly. They all wore them. Um, I so wanted one of those jumpers. But that, that stuff, again, this is the hidden aspects of class, I think. We think, oh, people are either good looking or they're not. Well, no. If you have your hair done... Um, at a particular salon. Oh, yeah, and they've got good skin because they look if after your themselves. Skin, yeah. If you have products, yeah. you know, if you were, even sunscreen, if it's culturally and financially part yes. of the a part of the middle class to use sunscreen on your face every day. Oh, look, and, and you go, you, I go and do gigs, say, in mining towns, and guys come up and go, because I talk about how I'm 53. They're like, I'm 53, and oh my God, they look yeah, 65. They look, yeah, 85. Yeah, yeah no, yeah. totally. And the the type of clothes, but also the food that you eat, the food that is culturally um, sanctioned, yeah. and all those things all affect how you oh, look. Yeah. Of course, your well, sense of fashion. It's much easier to get fresh food in wealthier areas. I've done studies on it. There's more parks in wealthier areas. Absolutely. Speaking anyway, of actually, the so we recently hired a cleaner, and if anyone wants to debate that, I'm like defensively willing to do so. And oh, you got a cleaner. <laughs> I've got a cleaner. I know. See, he was going to rib me, but Dave's had a cleaner for years and years. So. What about when I visited my twin brother in Switzerland? They've got Filipino maids. Oh, uh, seriously? Well, they're not, they're not maids, but I kept. they do all the washing and stuff too. And so I was trying to work the iron. Wow. I said to Glenn's wife, Roberta, who's Swiss, how do you use this iron? She goes, I don't know. I've never used it. And so the, <laughs> so the Filipino maids, they do everything. Are they paid properly? Oh, yeah, they're paid properly. And they also, one bought a minibus in the Philippines and runs a minibus company. Oh, that's cool. So, I mean, they are... She got the means of production. I'm assuming oh, it's a she. Yeah, it's a she. They're all she's. Mark's would be happy a, with that. There's a, whole, there's a whole strata of Filipino workers in, in Switzerland. And they have, their own, they have their own concerts. They bring out their own pop stars and comedians and stuff. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, then, but they don't see their kids very much. My brother no. went to the Philippines because he works for the Red Cross. And, and he saw his maid's daughters or sons and they said, oh, we haven't seen mum for a while. Oh, I know. Sad. But I anyway. know you've made it hard for me to confess to having a cleaner. No, no, but that's a totally I felt like thing. I was in a safe space. Let me say two things, even though no one's questioning it. One, I used to be a cleaner. Yeah, so did I. So I reckon if you pay people properly and you treat them right, no, no, yeah, no, no dramas. Yeah, yeah. But the reason that I raised it was I was talking. So one of my kids has got a a chronic illness that flares up from time to time. And she had the last few weeks off school. And when the cleaner was over, she asked me about it. And we were having a chat. And she said to me, um, she said, oh, yeah, I feel terrible. My kids, I never had time for them to be sick. Yeah, I sent them to school too. And I said, yeah, well, I mean, what would you do? Like, I'm being We were sent to school. 
you get dosed up on Panadol. She said they used to go to the factory with her. Oh, wow. She was like, even if they were sick, they would have to go. And again, going back to our earlier conversation, Mm. that means it takes longer for you to get better. Yeah. It's so true. Yeah. You know, like like it just all adds up. We would be sent to school in iron lung. It wouldn't have mattered. It was like, (laughs) you know, Dad would have pushed us out the door. We would have, maybe it's a country thing, but we would have gone to Nana's. Oh, okay. You know, like we, because we all lived close. Yeah, yeah. We had we so many aunties and uncles. We would have loved to Yeah, we would have gone to Nana's. Yeah, we would have gone to That would have been the best ever. I would have faked it a few times to go to Nana's, I reckon. <laughs> and what else is in that book? Um, let me have a look. It was a while ago when I read it. But is I t- there any knowing your place in terms of, hey, you need to know your place? Haven't read any, haven't read any of stuff like that. See, I've gone through and just picked out, you know, I picked out um, articles that sort of appeal to me. If you, yeah, if you know yeah, what yeah, I mean. Yeah, yeah. So, and then I'd start ones and I'd go, oh, no, I can't. Do you know no. there's a guy, and again, I apologize for never knowing the names of people, but that's one of my memory failings. I'll bring it next week. But there was a guy in a similar book that I read who talked about, uh, he was an academic, and he was having a go at the NHS health promotion strategy in the UK about trying to discourage Scottish people from eating so much fish and chips. You know, <laughs> yeah, like, right, you know, yeah, you've yeah, done yeah, Edinburgh, yeah, haven't you? Like, yeah, no, I haven't done it. Oh, no. okay, well, the, the, I mean, the stereotype's true. Like oh, really? Shit, everything is fried. I've been to Edinburgh, yeah, I've actually Everything, been there. You know, yeah. that sort of thing. And he actually had a go and went, you know what? You're Scottish working class. The only bloody thing in the week that you get to enjoy that you can afford is fish and chips on Friday night. Leave me alone. Yeah, exactly. Like, stop making Give me, me feel like shit for eating my fish and chips. And I kind of like that little bit of pushback. This is a great one written by a, a black middle class woman who was a working class girl. And she, she went to a uni. She was very smart and got to go to Oxford or something like that. But she got a job at Waynes, Waynesborough, which is like sort of Safeway or Coles. Yeah. And she felt more a place working there than at uni. No one talked to her at oh, uni. Oh, totally. I had that experience at uni. Yeah. Didn't you? <laughs> yes. Like when I was, the work that I was doing, and I still have that, like with working, quote unquote, working people. Yeah. I often feel much like more secure. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? It's who you relate to. Yeah. Well, where your place is. It is a great it is a great book and we should we should work on doing our own Australian version of this. I, because I, I reckon there's so many people that can contribute an article to this. Hundred percent. And knowing your place, I think I like the idea that it that can go both ways. It can be hey, Dave, you bloody know your place. Yeah. You yeah. know, don't you rise too high. Don't get up uh, yourself. Yeah, don't, oh yeah, my dad was big on that. Don't be smart. Or Doesn't know suit your you. place. Where where do you feel? <laughs> Don't be smart. Go on. Look at you with your book learning. Uh, yeah, you bloody. We've got a reader. Um, oh, this is like a good article. It's all about punk and ska music. My stuff. All right, so, let's Okay, it's called it. Know Your Place anyway. Know Your Place by... Edited by Nathan Conley. All right, we'll all go and I bought it at readings in Carlton, if anyone's... Oh, it, it, let's it's talk about class talk mobility. About class. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, does that your bring a place? Yes. Now, what are you going to bring? My bring and play, I'm I'm torn between a couple, but since I promised to talk about Gordon Ramsay. I love Gordon Ramsay. I'm intrigued by him. So, Gordon Ramsay um, has got a four-part series. It's on catch-up on one of the commercial stations. And it basically, he goes into Brixton Prison. Have you been to Brixton? Yes. Remember the Brixton riots? Yeah, I remember Brixton riots, yeah. It's awesome in Brixton. It's like you're kind of... Melting. It's a bit foot scray like. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. 
And Brixton prisons are kind of notorious, you know, max security, tough, very, tough. very tough prison. Mm. So he decided to go in there and um, set up, you know, some cooking. <laughs> Good on him. Good on him. At first I thought, okay, he's going to teach prisoners to cook, like Jamie Oliver style. Yeah, did you do that? Not really. Like, it's quite interesting because initially he starts this bullshit. I've got to see this show. Yeah, I reckon you'd get into it. You think, oh, what a load of shit, and then you can't oh, stop. I like those shows. Where, I like those ones where he goes to restaurants in America and pays them out. There's something about him swearing that's just compelling. Yeah. I know Dave Hughes used to do a routine about My wife said it was sexy, so I started swearing her in the kitchen. She hit me on the head with a saucepan. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> hit me on the head with a saucepan. Well, yeah, I'll tell you what. like he's swearing. I wouldn't want to work under him, and I wouldn't want one of my kids working under him. Nightmare. Because I think he does, he so does basically, he's bullying, but anyway. Yeah, he does. What does he do with the prisoners then? So he goes in, and initially he says to camera, you know, why should these blokes be locked up and not work? And I'm thinking, oh, get over yourself. And he's, you know, he'd love a job, probably. His brother was a heroin addict, and I thought, oh, this is neoliberal shit, basically going yeah. as if they're not being punished enough. Now they've got to work for one cent an hour or whatever. Being a reality show. But now, actually, having watched it, I reckon that's just him strategically going. This is how you talk to conservative politicians. Oh, you sell okay. it to them that way. Right. But in fact, it is about confidence. It is about skill. It's about having something to do. It's, you know, you see your classic, speaking of intergenerational poverty, your classic guys, no teeth, tall, skinny, you know. Shaved head. Shaved head. I've been in prison. I've seen them. You have not. I've done a gig in prison. I've done oh, a gig in prison. the love of Jesus. And, 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 and you know, my partner's going, just because just you've seen a lot of prison movies, it won't be like, and it was exactly like what you'd think. There were a lot of big guys with tattoos, shaved yep. heads, and also a lot of people that weren't that, you know, mentally unwell, I reckon, by oh, what I could tell. Oh, 100%. Which, which prison? Uh, Loddon. Loddon and uh, Middleton. And was it yeah. just you? Yeah, yeah. I just I did a gig up for the Writers Festival in Castlemaine. The woman said, do you want to come and do a workshop for the prisoners? Yeah. I said, oh, yeah, I'd rather do stand-up for them and they, we can just talk about stuff afterwards. And yeah. that's what I did. And how were you received? Yeah, really good. They loved it. Really? Oh, yeah. It was, it was oh, great. Well, it's pretty... The guy in there said... One of the prisoners who was in for murder, he told me that. He said, it's really boring because they can either lift weights or watch TV. Yeah. And this sort of stuff just lightens up their day a bit. Yeah, so having yeah. someone come in... Exactly. Well, but anyway, the cliche—it is the cliches are true. That uh, all the prisoners are exactly what you think they be. And then there were the occasional white collar criminal. Yeah, a few white collar criminals. Yeah, you know, gang but they're guys quite in, rare. Yeah, 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 gang member looking guys, guys bikies, you know, that kind of stuff. But most of them. Crimes of poverty. A lot of, yes. A lot. Very working class, you'd yeah. have to say. Yeah. So these guys, the thing that was interesting was literally watching them, you know, because Gordon swears and he's rough and his face looks like he's been, you know, yeah, hit, through a hit by a slapped ass, yeah, yeah. he, I think he then was relatable, you know. Yeah, they probably like him. He's not posh. In his speech. Oh, not at all. No. And his brother was a heroin addict and, you know, yeah. he's tough and all that kind of stuff. He, he used to be a sportsman of some... I thought he was a he's boxer, a soccer player. but he was a soccer mm. player. Um, so, once he started teaching them and, you know, classic, literally couldn't fry an egg, all that kind of stuff. Once they gained in confidence, you could really see the change in demeanour. Oh, like, wow. You could really see the change in kind of going, actually, like, I feel good. You know, cooking's a very good school for people like that because they can actually get jobs in it too. 100%. Yeah, Even if, you, if you're only washing dishes. Yeah, yeah. 
It's something that you can do. And when we're in New England, there's a lot of greasy spoon cafes that need absolutely. They just cook up eggs and chips, fry an egg, yeah. and a bit of steak. Yeah. But some one of the guys, and you don't know whether they're just sort of mouthing stuff for the camera, but let's assume it's true. One of the guys, like I've just never thought about what I could do when I got out, and he was 25. He looked 45. Yeah. He had been in prison 30 times. Wow. At 25. And he's like, I've never thought of something I could do, but I reckon I could work in a kitchen. Yeah, there you go. So I, you know, I'm I'm torn on the Ramsey front. Yeah, but I would recommend that particular. It's four part series. Oh, this is so bad. I can't remember the title of it. You talk, Gordon, and I'm googling Gordon, it's Gordon Ramsay, uh, the thing that I was going it. Gordon Ramsay. Thing that I go about Gordon Ramsay though, he when he talked about parenting, he said. I don't see my kids much, but when I do see them, it's quality time. Yeah, fuck which off. Is a, yeah, which is the biggest load of Guess shit ever. Guess what parenting is? Quantity, quantity. time. It's so time. Take them to the zoo and they get to drive the car and they get an ice cream, do they? Or That's exactly right. Jamie Oliver, these, what's with these chefs? He goes, no, I'm a, I just prefer to be a weekend dad. He oh, said, what? No, like, that makes me want to vomit. Yeah, well. Seriously, and I'm going to stop all the Googling. Work? Exactly. Jules. Jules. Long and suffering. whoever the other lady is Gordon, that got Mrs. cheated Ramsey. on by Mrs. Rand, but Mrs. by Ramsey. Gordon as well. <laughs> that that stuff is so yeah. annoying. They don't understand it's, it is it is. One of my mates was estranged from his dad for a long time through circumstances. You know, he, he left his mum. And, and then he got back in contact with him. He said he just used to like sitting with him. Yeah, he totally. Said, it was like gorillas, he said. Yeah. They were like gorillas, just yep. together. Didn't have to talk. He just said it was just a good feeling. Yeah, that's exactly right. And it's, it is watching, you know, the bloody Muppets for the 75th time. And on the 76th time, the kid going, I, just, I love you, Mum. Yeah, just being there. Yeah, you just got to be there and hold hands and, you know, whatever you do, drawing, whatever. Too much time in prison, Gordon. Too much time. <laughs> <laughs> Too much time in prison, Gordon. Um so, I think it's probably time to wrap up. I think so. But well, what are we doing next week, Dave? Well, Shane will be back. Shane will definitely... Well, we assume Shane will be back. We'll talk about... You know You know what's... Um, are we going to get a guest in? My, oh, we'll get a guest. My partner also said, we should talk about this, how in my family, I've got two uncles who are mm. very working class, but they both vote liberal. Oh, that's a good topic. Working class people who vote liberal, it's really interesting. That is a good topic. So, it, so their father was a wharfie. Yep. You know, their mother... They're unionists. The, 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 oh, very yep. strong union family. Yeah. And now they're both they're both liberals, basically. I used to do a joke, um, and I won't remember it properly, but basically the joke was, you know, mm. the Labor Party are trying to appeal to me and my family, and they're failing us both, because my mm. my family would be like, oh, there's too many poofters and refugees. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, right. And I'm like, there's not enough poofters <laughs> and refugees. <laughs> there's something, there's something, something in, in that. Something and, in it. Yeah. We'll so talk about that. Let's do that. And I'm... Well, we might get a guest. I think we'll, we'll look for a guest. I've got an idea. I think you've got an idea. Mm. And uh, we'll see you all next week. But you, where do you find us? You do that bit. Oh, okay. So, yeah, find us where you get all your good podcasts and subscribe and give us a good review. That'd be awesome. That'd be great. So, that's Dave O'Neill. I'm Nellie Thomas. Shane Lang will be back next week. This podcast is produced by Nearly Media. And we've been Up Up Your your class. Class.